0: Welcome to Truth Time, where you'll get a shot of the truth with no chaser. And now your Truth Time host, Trey Cersei. Are you ready for this? You ready for this? You ready for this? Are you ready for this? You ready for this? You ready for this? Are you ready for this? You ready for this? You ready for this?
1: Welcome to another Truth Time transmission as we go coast to coast and around the world with the Word of Truth taught rightly divided. Hey, several listeners have commented on our uh, Compare the Verses feature at TruthTimeRadio.com. Go there today and you can see how God divided the Word of Truth to make it easy for His children to understand. The Compare the Verses link is where I've taken several subjects and shown how Well, God said a different thing about the same thing. Bible verses that demonstrate how that God said one thing about something, but then later changed his instructions concerning that very same thing. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But some of his instructions to humanity have changed. And you getting this is vital to your understanding of Scripture. Again, welcome to Truth Time. It's not tradition time, how-do-you-feel-about-it time, or what's-the-preacher's-opinion time. It's truth time. Telephone lines are open 861-0800, area code 706, or toll-free from anywhere around the world at 1-888-988-9562. You know, there's only one thing worse than going to hell. That's going there and being surprised. Today, I want to expose two lies that will keep you lost. Two lies that will keep you lost. We begin by looking back at something a listener said some time ago. They had been confused concerning how a soul is saved. They have since come to understand how the Bible operates, and uh, hey, they're studying the Bible the way that God intended. They're comparing scripture with scripture and rightly dividing the word of truth. But prior to that, as you can tell by their own words, They were mixed up on how a lost soul is saved. Here's an excerpt of what they said to me, and I quote, The Bible says that for me to be forgiven of my sins, I must first turn from my sins. If I do not, then God will not forgive me. And if I sin after that, then I'm supposed to ask God to forgive me of my sins. Did you notice the first three words the listener said? The first three words were, the Bible says. Now, this has been some time back, and what I had to do at first is remind them that the Bible says a lot of things. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 22.11 not to wear a garment made of blended fabric. So if you're wearing something right now that is not of a singular fabric, you're in direct violation of the law. Thankfully, we're not under that law. But I must point out that this is indeed something that the Bible says. The Bible also says that God instructed a congregation to kill a man for picking up sticks on the Sabbath day, and you can read all about it in Numbers 15 beginning at verse 32. The Bible says, To stone rebellious children to death. That's found in Deuteronomy 21 beginning in verse 18. The Bible says that he that worketh righteousness is accepted with God that from Peter in the New Testament, Acts 10 35. Did you catch that? Peter, even after the crucifixion of Christ, is still preaching faith plus works as a means for salvation. It's not until later that we find out from our Apostle Paul that works no longer have anything to do with the soul's salvation. So you see, the Bible says a lot of things What we need to find out is what does the Bible say to us today? Okay, now we're covering the two lies that will keep you lost. There are two lies being taught that will keep you religious and lost. You attend church, you read the Bible, when a survey is done you check the box that says Christian, and you've even got a bumper sticker to prove it. But are you saved? I've heard countless sermons that have propagated these two lies that will keep you religious and lost. And as long as I have breath, I'll continue to expose them. Do I think that those who teach these lies do so on purpose? Absolutely not. Satan doesn't come to people and say, psst, hey, I've got a couple of lies I want you to start teaching. Think you can handle this for me? Not at all. Satan's much smarter than that. He can hide a lie by strategically surrounding it with just enough truth that it's almost unrecognizable. He's very crafty, and all he needs is your mind. Satan is in the mind. Satan controls the religious system, and those of this religious system are teaching a false gospel. Now, what are the two lies? The two lies that can keep you lost. Lie number one. To be saved, you must turn from your sins and then put your trust in Christ. Lie number two. To stay saved, you must confess and ask for forgiveness of your sins. They have the cart before the horse. Telling you to turn from sin before you're saved is like telling the frog to become the prince before he receives the kiss. The bumper sticker got it wrong. It shouldn't say turn or burn. It should say turn and burn. If you're trusting in your magical turn to save you, you're lost. David Blaine nor Chris Angel can get you out of this one. Turning from sin to be saved is a works salvation. Do you believe in a works salvation? Now I didn't ask you how you think a saved person should live. (laughs) Almost every time I talk to a lost religious traditionalist, They think this question is their cue to start talking about how someone is supposed to live. Their self-righteousness rears its ugly head. I think you have to do this, and I think you have to do that. Well, I didn't ask you how you think a saved person should live. I said do you believe in a work salvation? This tells me that they've been listening to bad doctrine. Doctrine that has them focus more on themselves than on Jesus. That sounds just like Lucifer back there in Isaiah 14. The folks who respond this way are exalting their own throne in an attempt to be just like the Most High. A work salvation would require one or more works to be saved or one or more works to stay saved. Is that what you've been taught? Is that what you believe? If so, then you can't quote Titus 3.5 that says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, while at the same time say that you believe you must turn from sin to be saved. Turning from sin is a work, and we just read Titus 3.5 where the first three words is not by works. You can't quote Romans 4.5 that says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness, while at the same time say that you believe you must confess your sins to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. Confessing your sins is something you would have to do. It's a work, and remember, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. You can't quote Romans 11.6 that says, And if by grace, then it is no more of works, while at the same time say that you believe you must turn from sin to be saved. Turning from sin is a work, and we just read no more of works. (laughs) It's either of works or no more of works. It can't be both. You can't quote Ephesians 2.9 that says not of works lest any man should boast, while at the same time boast of how you ask God to forgive you of your sins. You can't quote Colossians 2.13 that says that a saved person was dead in their sins, but now has been made alive and forgiven of all their sins, while at the same time say that you believe you must turn from your sins to be saved. Turning from sin is a work, and we just read Colossians 2.13 that says you've been forgiven from ALL A-double-L sins. So which one of the ALL sins should you ask forgiveness for? Listen, there's work that saved people should do. But there's no work to be saved or stay saved. We should turn from sin, put on our knockies and run away from it as fast as we can. But turning and running is not the gospel that saves today. Jesus did it all and is why in Colossians 2.10 we're told that we're complete in Him. Paul would not have wrote that we're complete if we're not, and if there's even one work left to be saved or stay saved, then we're not complete and the Bible's not reliable. A work's salvation is a perversion of the gospel, and it won't save anyone today. In 2 Corinthians 5.19 we read, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Please get this. God is no longer imputing our sin against us. And the next part of the verse said that this word of reconciliation, this gospel, this good news, that says he's no longer counting our sins against us, has been committed unto us. That's our commission. That's what we're supposed to be telling others today. Is this what you're hearing at church? Are you hearing the good news? Are you being equipped so that you can go out and tell others about it? In Romans 16.25, we're told to preach Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. Well, it was secret, but it's since been revealed. Therefore, it's no longer a secret. So again, is this what I'll hear if I come to your church this Sunday? Will I hear Jesus Christ being preached according to the revelation of the mystery? Or is it still a mystery over there? The Bible defines repenting as having to do with a change of mind. Turning has to do with a physical change. Hear me well when I assure you that if you're trusting in a physical turn that you've made in your life to save you, you're lost. You'll remain lost for as long as you continue to trust in that physical act. What good work can a dead man do? What good work can a dead man do to save himself? Ephesians 2 verse 1 and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins." Did you catch that? Before Christ saves anyone, they were DEAD dead in their sins. A dead man can't please God no matter what he does. You must first be made alive, and only Christ can do that. Turning from sin to be saved or confessing and asking for forgiveness to be saved is nothing more than a turpitude, a perversion of the gospel. Oh, you might have one less sin to carry around with you on your trip to hell, but hell is still your destination. An unsaved man is a dead man, and a dead man can't do any good works in the sight of God. Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. This truth is not hard to grasp. It is clear and it is simple. We are quickened. That's made alive. And by grace, we are saved. <laughs> There's nothing you can do to earn it. If you're saved, you have nothing to boast about, nothing to brag about. However, if you're boasting in your turning, if you're boasting in your confessing and asking, it's evident that you're not saved. Now preachers don't like to preach the truth concerning this matter because they like to look upon the outward appearance. God looks upon the heart, but the preacher likes to look upon the outward appearance. Salvation is not measured by behavior and outward appearances. Salvation is measured by faith. Faith alone. A saved person's testimony will always point to Calvary's cross and what Christ did there alone. They will never include even one thing they did or are doing. Your behavior matters, but it won't save you. There are atheists with good behavior. Your salvation depends on your 100% faith in what Jesus did on the cross. And you're trusting Him alone. Nothing more, nothing less. Salvation's not measured by performance, it's measured by one's faith in the finished cross work of Jesus Christ, having died for every last one of our sins. You don't believe it? Then you don't believe your Bible. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says this, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. How much clearer can it get? The provision has already been made. And now, by faith, you get to enjoy the benefits. So, do you have faith in God's word of truth rightly divided? Do you have faith in what Christ did alone all by himself on the cross? If so, you're saved and should be bubbling over with joy about it. Someone asking God to forgive them of their sins to be saved is someone given a testimony that they've rejected the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ as being the full, complete, perfect payment for their sins. Asking for forgiveness of your sins says that you don't believe what Christ did was enough by itself. How do you think that makes him feel? Now what if you trusted Christ so much that you believe that He can save you all by Himself? Now, How do you think that would make him feel? On a scale of 100, what if you trusted him 100%? How you like me now?
0: One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I
2: am a boat rocker. I'm going to tell you something, Flacca, and I want you to listen tight. It may sound like I'm talking about me, but I'm not. I'm talking about you. As a matter of fact, I'm talking about all people everywhere. When I came down here to Texas, I was looking for something. I didn't know what. But it seems like you had up my life, and I spent it all either stomping other men, or in some cases getting stomped. Had me some money and had me some medals. But none of it seemed a lifetime worth the pain of the mother that bore me. It's was like I was empty. Well, I'm not empty anymore. That's what's important. To feel useful in this old world. To hit a lick against what's wrong, or to say a word for what's right, even though you get walloped for saying that word. Now, I may sound like a Bible-beater yelling up a revival at a river-crossing camp meeting, but that don't change the truth none. There's right and there's wrong. you got to do one or the other. You do the one and you're living. You do the other and you may be walking around, but you're dead as a beaver hat.
0: Got a Bible question? Call 706-861-0800 or toll-free 1-888-988-9562. Email us at truthtimeradio.com. This is Truth Time, where we weigh the evidence and make sound decisions, not according to our feelings, just the facts.
1: Why am I here today telling you that turning from sin won't save you? Why am I here today telling you that confessing your sins and asking God to forgive you of them won't save you? Because 2 Corinthians 5.19 tells me that the word of reconciliation has been committed unto me. Your sin won't send you to hell. Your unbelief will. Your unbelief in that Christ paid your sin debt in full, satisfying God on your behalf. And the only thing hindering you from reaping the benefits is your lack of faith. You demonstrate your lack of faith on almost a daily basis. When you ask for forgiveness of the sins that Christ already died for, You demonstrated your lack of faith when you believed the false salvation message that said to turn from sin and then put your trust in Christ. That so-called gospel includes you. You didn't recognize Satan's subtle lie that left you thinking that you played a part in saving yourself. We've all heard the expression, turn or burn. Preachers everywhere have, and some still are, teaching this as a means for salvation. This perversion, this wrong definition of the word repent has left many thinking they were saved, but were not. If I misdefine the gospel and you trust in my misdefinition of what I said the gospel is, you remain lost. How about searching the scriptures for yourself? How about comparing scripture to scripture and rightly dividing the word of truth the way we're told to do? The Bible's definition, not man's, but the Bible's definition of repentance is a change of mind, a change in your thinking. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Acts 20, verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. A change of mind toward God. Change your mind how? By admitting that you're not worthy, and the solution is to put your faith in the finished work of the risen Savior, someone who is worthy. It's so easy that many can't get it. Paul knew that it would be this way, and is why he wrote what he did. 2 Corinthians 11.3 But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Oh, Trey, what you're saying is just too simple. I just can't believe that. Yep, Paul knew you'd think that way. To the religious and lost, Christ is not their Savior. He's their probation officer. Oh, they go to a building called church. They do this and that and thus and such, but they never fully believe that Christ alone can save them. It's always him and them, him and them, him and them. You'll find the him and thems in your Facebook friends, church friends, and sometime even family members. Whoever glories in himself glories against God. When you rely on God, plus you're asking for forgiveness of your sins, you're glorying in yourself, therefore glorying against God. Stop letting your pride get the best of you, and as the song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. I understand that in this day and age, telling the truth is, is sort of like being on a high wire without a net, but it's where I feel most comfortable. We must compare scripture with scripture, rightly dividing the word of truth when searching for Bible answers. Let the Bible define itself, not man nor tradition. Webster's Dictionary is a good book, but it got this one wrong. Webster, unlike the Biblical authors, was not inspired by God. Webster defines repent as to turn from sin, but the Bible does not. Again, we should let the Bible define itself, not man nor tradition, and if man would have only done that, there would have been no such thing as teaching that says a person can lose their salvation. It's an impossibility, and when we compare Scripture with Scripture, it becomes obvious. Such is the case when we compare Psalms 51.11, which is before Christ shed His blood, with Ephesians 1.13, which is after Christ shed His blood. They both say different things about the same thing, and that's okay, because they're written under different circumstances. Psalms 51.11 Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. David says, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Why? Because the Holy Spirit could come and go. Now let's compare that to what we know now according to the Apostle Paul. Ephesians 1.13 After that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So David wrote, Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me, while Paul wrote the opposite. Why? Because Christ hadn't shed His blood, and no one was sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That was something that could not occur until after Christ shed His precious blood on the cross. Now let's continue to compare Scripture with Scripture to find the truth. Get Matthew 19 and Acts 16. That's Matthew 19 and Acts 16. And while you're doing that, let me remind you that you can find a plethora of verse comparisons just like these at truthtimeradio.com truthtimeradio.com Not tradition time, denomination time, pastor's opinion time, or how you feel about it time, but truth time. Matthew 7.14 says, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now with that in mind, let's look at the straight and narrow way that Jesus was talking about. And remember, this is before he shed his blood on Calvary's cross. In Matthew 19, verse 16, a man came to him and said, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? What was the answer the Lord gave him? Verse 17, if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, let's compare that straight and narrow to the straight and narrow that Jesus told Paul about after he shed his blood on Calvary's cross. In Acts 16, Verse 30, the Philippian jailer, while talking to Paul and Silas, said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So as you can see, it's always been and always will be the straight and narrow. But the gospel, the good news for how a person is saved, changed from one side of the cross to the other. Now, what's the definition of grace? Grace means unmerited, undeserved, kindness from God that you and I don't deserve. There is nothing we have done nor can ever do to earn it. It's a gift from God. So with that in mind, I have a question for you. If you have to turn from your sins to be saved, is that unmerited? If you have to confess and ask for forgiveness for your sins to be saved, is that unmerited? No, that would be merited that would mean that you deserve it. How you live is how you live, and how you're saved is how you're saved, and you can't be saved by how you live. When we look at these verse comparisons, we realize that they're both true, but only one is true for today. If they were both true at the same time, that would go directly against the law of non-contradiction. The law of non-contradiction says two opposites can't be both right at the same time. Now that's logic, and you already knew that. We live in a world of unrest, and the sad thing is there's people who claim to be Christians that are not exhibiting rest. When you commit your salvation to the Lord, you can finally rest. The reason you're not finding rest is you haven't committed your salvation to Him. You've been taught the part me, part God, false gospel, for so long that even when you're shown the truth in plain black letters on the white pages of your Bible, you ignore and refuse to believe it. If you think that turning from your sin will save you, if you think that asking for forgiveness of your sins will save you, you're going to stand before the Lord one day only to hear Him say, Why didn't you trust me? Not me and yourself, but why did you not trust me? Satan is demonstrating his power as he continually and successfully works through religion and tradition. The true meaning of the word repent is to change your mind. And if you're caught up in Satan's religious system, you need to change your mind. How you like me now?
2: I know you've deceived me, now here's a surprise. I know that you have, cause there's magic in my eyes I can see for miles and miles and miles and miles Smell or taste or touch. Prison for your mind.
0: You have to see it for yourself. Got a Bible question? Call seven oh six, eight six one, oh eight hundred or toll-free 988 9562 Email us at truthtimeradio.com. This has been Truth Time with Trey Cersei. Until next time, remember, when a man who is honestly mistaken hears the truth, he will either quit being mistaken or cease to be honest.